There are 117 days left until the 2022 midterm elections. Welcome back to the Mary Trump Show Strategy Sessions, where every week my panel and I try to answer this question. How do we ensure that the Democrats win races at every level of government and hold on to or preferably expand our razor thin margins in the House and Senate? Tonight, I want to start here. In the last few months, the vast majority of Republicans in the House have voted against preventing price gouging, capping insulin prices, and easing the baby food shortage. In the last 24 hours, they voted against VA benefits for toxin-exposed vets, a bill to report problems with neo-Nazis in the military, a national active shooter alert bill which is essentially an amber alert for active shooters in your neighborhood. This, of course, doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of things Republicans are against. The list includes allowing victims of rape and incest, including children, access to abortion, keeping our children safe from gun violence, saving the planet from climate change, voting rights, and American democracy. All things that the vast majority of Republicans in the House and in the Senate as well seem to be against. So given all of that, it is absolutely mind-blowing to me that Republicans have a chance of winning anything in November. So tonight, I want to talk about why the missteps of the Biden administration, and don't get me wrong, there are there have been many, okay? I can see that. But how did those missteps over the overshadow the very real and significant accomplishments of the administration? And how is it that Republican obstruction, which undermines congressional Democrats' ability to get their policy initiatives passed, always seem to be blamed on the Democrats? And I think it's this dynamic uh, that makes people very nervous um, when Biden in particular or the Democrats in general are criticized. So with my phenomenal guest tonight, um, Nerd Avengers plus special guest Danielle Moody. I want to go through this for our viewers uh, because on the one hand, we want to make sure that the Democratic Party is the best it can be. On the other hand, though, we don't want anybody for a second to think that the Republicans are a viable or reasonable alternative. And yet there's so much stacked against the Democrats, both uh institutionally, structurally, and in terms of how the media handles uh, this, the parties and politics and policy, uh, that it's, you know, it's, it, it's a very fraught time. I, you know, it seems, Brian, that it should be as simple as you're voting for democracy or you're voting for fascism, and yet um, all we're hearing about are things nobody has any control over. Uh, yeah. inflation and uh, high guys, gas prices, which, well, by the way, just as a quick quick aside, gas prices have been falling every day for the last 26 days. So, but we don't know. Well, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think your biggest problem, Mary, is that it, it's messaging. Um, they are talking about things that um, the, the Democratic Party has some solutions and some legitimate criticisms. But right now there's only one party that is for democracy. And the other one is strictly for fascism. And they, of course, make no bones about it. And they're going to get their people out to vote. The Democrats, if they want to defeat it, look, there are more Democrats than Republicans. You have to motivate the voters. It, the higher the voter turnout is, the less chance the Republicans have of winning it. That's just a simple fact, which is why they've tried everything in the world to keep you from voting. But the simple fact of the matter is, if you get people, you have to let them know why this matters to them and what's important to it. And, you know, uh, James Carville saying it's the economy stupid is something that the Republicans are trying to co-op, not, not, and the Democrats haven't framed the argument correctly. It's the Republicans that are screwing it all up. And if they did that, if they framed their message a little bit better, I think they'd reach more people. But at, at the end of the day, I, I think what you're really looking at in this fall. And look, I just came from my wife and I voted today, early voting in Maryland. Voter turnout is heavy, very heavy, which portends well for the Democrats. But I live in a very progressive district. You've right. got to get those districts that are competitive and purple, those people out voting. At the end of the day, that's what it is. It's the turnout. Everybody knows what the Republicans are all about or what's left of the Republican Party is all about. They don't care about women. They don't care about the economy. They only care about their, their authority. That's it. 
And if you get the people out to vote, you'll be fine. But that's that is the rub is is staying on point on message. And the Democrats have never fought as dirty, never fought as as tenaciously as the Republicans. That's one thing that Carvel pointed out. You know, he said he said, look, I don't like what they stand for, but you got to admire their work ethic. And that's you know, they work hard to screw you over. Yeah, I got to say, I don't even think we need to fight dirty. No, we just, just need show to, up. We just need to fight. But it also, I'm not so sure that everybody knows what the Republicans about. If everybody knew what the Republicans were about, then um, Herschel Walker wouldn't be even in contention in Georgia. J.D. Vance wouldn't been, be within two points of Tim Ryan in Ohio etc. And we can go down line. And Danielle, you and Wajali and I spoke about this very recently um, about the fine line between um, being critical in a constructive way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and engaging, energizing the base and scaring people or, you know, letting people think that by calling the administration out or the Democrats out on certain things, there's room to make the argument that, well, then we should just vote for Republicans. And the fact that, that that's even a concern suggests to me that there are many, many people who don't understand what the Republicans are about because they don't have the luxury to pay attention. You know, they're knee-jerk Republican <clears throat> voters, et cetera, et cetera. And by the same token, um, which is why we have to worry about Democratic turnout, because a lot of Democrats aren't totally tuned in either. Uh, right. That that is seems to be a consistent struggle we have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are a couple of things there. One, you know, James Carville is somebody who has been a Democratic strategist since, you know, the beginning of time. And I think that <laughs> what we you know, what what we all know to be true is that this party is being run by, you know, people that are in their 80s. They are people, they are politicians and statespeople from a completely different time that no longer exists. And so when when Waj and I on, you know, talk about the fact that you need to have some type of critique. We critique the Democratic Party because I give a damn, right? Like if I didn't care, then I would just keep my mouth shut. If I right. thought that they were, you know, if I if I didn't think that there was an opportunity or still time for them to change and make a pivot, then I wouldn't say anything. But I think by virtue of what we have seen and just the recent poll that came out this week that's making all the news and all the rage from the New York Times is, you know, looking at the fact that you have this generation, Generation Z, right? These 20 somethings, 20, you know, uh, 18 to, to, to roughly 30 years old right now. And you know, the saddest thing that I, that I read, they don't have any memory of good times in America. We have quite literally handed over this generation just crap, right? From climate change to voter suppression, now that women and people with uteruses are unable to get an abortion. And there are people that are going to come up behind them that don't even remember a time when abortion was going to be legal. Do you know what I'm saying? And so for mm -hmm. us to continue to say that we need to have conversations that are about, you know, the economy, it's the economy, stupid, which is what, you know, Carvel says over and over again, and I and I said this the other day on MSNBC, I can think of no other economic issue than the ability to actually, you know, afford the people that are at your kitchen table, the ability to decide when and when, and when, where, and if you want to have a family. And then what happens, what we saw during COVID are the 2 million plus women that were forced out of the workforce because they're the primary caregivers for their children. And so the Republicans have set up an entire dynamic and situation where economically Americans are going to be struggling. And that is not just about the price of gas or the price of chicken. It is going to be about your economic ability to be able to afford those things. And so when they want to have conversations about the economy, my, my thing is connect the goddamn dots. It's really yeah. not that hard, right? Like yeah. Republicans yeah. have literally given you everything that you need. Connect the dots. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's one of the things that drives me crazy with the it's an economy, it's the economy message, because you're right. It from literally the Republicans. On, right. From but, the Republicans, it's disingenuous. It's disingenuous, but of course it's disingenuous. But but the problem is it's it it is it aligns so much, as Danielle just pointed out. It literally focuses on how expensive shit is, right? Without 
thinking talking about context without so talking like what is, what is what is a more hang on one second what is a more kitchen table issue that as danielle just said being able to afford the people who are sitting at your kitchen table right so okay brian pushback well if, if, if look it's a disingenuous message from the republicans when James Carville, and, and thank you, Danielle, for pointing out I'm old. But when, when James Carville, when You're James not as Carville, old as James Carville. Yeah, no, no, he, he was old when I first met him. But when, <laughs> he's, he, he was, was born old, I think. Yeah, yeah, he was. But when he was saying it's the economy stupid, he was telling Democrats to fight the Republican messaging and that they had to come out and say, listen, the Republicans have screwed it up. He's He may be old, but he's right about that. It's the Republicans who bear the responsibility for the, for the mess that we're in. And the Republicans are great at deflection and the Democrats are horrible at framing the, you know, the, the argument the, they let right. the Republicans frame the argument all the time and then react to it. And, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and Biden and his folks need to get out. And, and fr that's where I think the, the, the big problem is in the democratic party is in their messaging. And yeah. I've, continue to say that it's everything that we're saying just goes back to look yeah you're, you're right the republicans are pretty screwed up i spent four years you know with death threats over my head every day covering the trump administration that cared nothing for people and most of the republicans today are trump vilified. i mean they love trump you know what's left of the republican party are trump fans trump fanatics they don't care about anybody either and the the democrats need to let them take up more air out of the room and leave less for the Republicans. Yeah. And that, that has everything to do with how things are framed, as we said, and messaged. And be, because we have uh, like the Republicans have nothing. They have, they are an anti or a policy party. They have nothing to offer. And yet. Um, Unless you're rich and white. A, well, it, and mm -hmm. straight and quote-unquote Christian. Um, but I want to, just as a quick aside, because this is not the main subject of our conversation, but it's another example of what Danielle was, Danielle was talking about. Um, you know, part of the problem, too, is that um, especially in, in the aftermath of Dob the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade and KCV Planned Parenthood, um, so much of it is is spoken about in, in the context of choice, which is a white feminist way of talking about this issue. And it just does, it's like barely scratches the surface of what really is at stake. Yes, of course, that's important, but there is so much else that needs to be discussed uh, that is impacted by that. And Democrats also fail to do that. But getting back to um, the generational issue, I think, yes, part, part of the problem is that that and it's not because they're old. It's because they've been around so long that they seem to be stuck in this in this just as Joe Biden is uh, in this um, idea that things still work the way they worked a couple of decades ago, because let's face it, Republican leadership is just as old. The difference is our broken system favors Republicans like Re Republicans don't need to do anything. Uh, to win elections because everything is stacked against Democrats. Uh, so that's part of the problem. Um, but let's let's shift Jen to talking about Gen Z because I think Gen Z is going to play an absolutely pivotal role. My daughter was born a month after September 11th. Uh, so that is her entire life. That's that's one bracket, and the rest of it is, you know, climate catastrophe, um, the horrific Donald administration, um, COVID. <laughs> you know, that's that's it. So what's interesting is that she is not a political person. Totally my fault. They're paying attention to what's happening with this this Supreme Court, and Jen. That seems like a slam dunk. I mean, it's teed up for us to make that an issue that will bring in younger voters. We just need another, what, 10% of Gen Z kids to vote? Sorry, they're not kids. But, um, right? So, so how do we 
figure out a way to um, help people understand the gravity of that so that, you know, even if they're not paying that much attention, they understand what it means to both men and women uh, who are Gen Z, millennials, I mean, all of us, but, but particularly those two generations, because along with black women, I can't think of a group of voters who have been less uh, or um, who have been more poorly served. Honestly, Yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, they know. The question is, how do we make the connection between them knowing what's broken and believing there's someone who also knows what's broken and wants to fix it and knowing that they, you know, so I would say it's gotta be, there's, it's, it's the place and it's the message. They're not on this podcast, right? Where meet people where they are. And, yeah. you know, there's like, what is it? Is it DeVry? Who is it? There are people advertising on YouTube, you know, in between YouTube shows why don't the Democrats have little miniature mm. ads there? First of all, you got to find them where they are. Secondly, in terms of being super concrete, like where, you know, it's got to be the big message and the details. The big message is this is a freedom hating, you know, voter hating, power grabbing fascist party. And if you just want to say freedom hating, that gets a lot under that umbrella. And then the specifics are, Dems introduced a bill to do this. Republicans voted against it. If we get two more in the Senate, we'll do it. Dems voted against this. Boom. But okay, so there's like, you've got to be, and it's got to be all the time. And there can be no fucking more people saying my good friend this, my good friend that, because it's all the Republicans who are, who are the party, the freedom hating, voting hating party. It's who they are. I mean, this is the mainstream now this is a party that wants to force children to give birth you know this is this is this is the in party the name of jesus that's right and what worries me is what danielle said which is you know she, i got the chills when she said you know this next generation isn't going to remember when abortion was legal because guess what our generation now doesn't remember when fucking free college tuition Right. existed in my lifetime you could go to college in california now it's like everyone wants a pony no we want what existed under reagan's california before he ruined it and so like there is i envision everything should be directed in with the mind of a 16 to 30 year old all yep. the people in video should be from that place should be diverse and it should be really clear that Republicans are anti-freedom. And that includes, you know, that includes issues around non-binary and trans stuff, which is really important to young people. It's about mm -hmm. freedom of religion. It's like, be who you are. That's who Gen Z and younger, they just want to be who they are. They just want to have a good life in every way. And they want jobs that are meaningful to them. All the stuff that they want, a good life. And as Daniel said, you know, they just... It's been war and crisis yep. and hate around mass that. shootings. Right. Like that's the other thing. The because the connection, my fear is the same thing. You know, if if the story is don't even bother, Democrats aren't any different. Right. You know, what we're that's not for those of us who wanna awaken the Democratic Party, stop Joe Biden from doing things like appointing uh, you know, pro pro-force birth judges and stuff like that. What we're trying to say is don't fuck this up. It reminds right. me when I swear to God, the minute I knew Trump was gonna win, I'm sorry, Donald was gonna win. I remember where I was. I was in Washington, DC, meeting with someone at some restaurant with a friend from Public Citizen, and we had just found out that Hillary was gonna nominate Tim Kaine as their yep. VP. And I said, oh, my God, it's too close. Don't fucking do that. And everyone, all the wise people say, oh, no, it doesn't matter who the VP is. And I'm like, this isn't normal. This isn't normal times. So the world's changed. It really matters. And I knew she was going to lose them. And, and I'm and telling you that, Jen, that's so interesting because. It's it, the same thing now. I feel right. like I want to shout. Sorry, go ahead, Mary. I'll shut up now. No, 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 no. I'm just sorry to interrupt. I just, it made me think of how I felt 
when Obama nominated Merrick Garland. I'm telling you, I could be wrong, but if he had nominated Ketanji Brown Jackson, I don't think people would have just sat on the sidelines and not cared so much that she wasn't getting a hearing. I'm sorry. I think we all would have been out in the streets. Merrick Garland, who fucking cares? Another middle-aged white guy? Please. And now, of course, he's a dirty general, which is not working out well for us. So, Adam, yeah. as a younger, much younger Democratic strategist. Not that young. Uh, oh, uh, okay. I'm wearing a hat because I lost my hair at a young age, you know? <laughs> well, yes. But well, I found it over here. Being there like young. <laughs> so, we... We have, I guess this is one of the things that frustrates me. And again, this is not about demoralizing anybody. This is about helping people understand kind of what we're up against because we're not up against uh, an electorate that's very well informed because Republicans don't want us to be, first of all. And there's so much going on. Like we're still in COVID for God's sakes. And now monkeypox is taken over and whatever. And we have a media that will say um, the... The House passed this Amber Alert for active shooters. No, it didn't. The Democrats did. You know, so people don't even understand what what the nuts and bolts of that are and, and where the parties stand on these things. So, um, Adam, I want to just focus in on how to, I guess, how to help people realize that this, as Jen said, this is not a normal. I can't tell you how many times I said to people, we can't treat Joe Biden like a normal president who followed another, you know, a, sorry, a normal administration that followed a normal administration. Nothing could be further from the truth. Um, mm -hmm. And I think by by not con constantly pointing that out, people act like it's a normal administration that just had the normal shit to deal with. Yeah. Um I just want to say, great to be on with you, Danielle. I don't think I've been on anything with you yet, but I appreciate all you do. Um, yes, ditto. Uh, you know, as I was hearing you all talk about the uh, the 80 plus year olds, um, mm -hmm. I was thinking back to when I first really got involved in national politics. And I'm old enough, I guess, now to remember when that same sort of uh, group of consultants or pundits said that Gavin Newsom was dead politically. Um, for as long as they could ever see because he came out in support of gay marriage. And I think that sort of gets to the bottom of sort of where we are, which is we're a party that is, you know, uh, more or less, uh, you know, especially, you know, in, in recent history on the right side of history, but also often in a fight with ourselves. And yes, we're very progressive, but a lot of folks have taken a long time to uh, come to progress and, and get to that point. And I think that, you know, that's an example for me that sort of um, is a snapshot of where we are nationally, which is, you know, a lot of people would love to see Gavin Newsom run for president in 2024 and, and plenty of other people who are um, completely qualified. But I just use that because he was ahead on a number of issues early on. And um, there were people that are still very much running this party who thought that was it for him. And uh, when, in fact, he just was on the right side of history earlier than them. And those are all folks right. who got to that place. So um, I, I think the point that Danielle hit on in terms of, um, you know, people hosting dinners and that's what, you know, even we could still say the height of COVID now, but even at the height of COVID, um, I think there were a lot of families throughout this country that were hoping it wasn't their week, their week to sort of host that dinner. And they wanted to, to go somewhere else and bring that one dish because they weren't in a position to to do that. So I think the, the example you used, Mary, of um, of your daughter, you know, who was born a month after September 11th and, you know, uh, for good reason, probably is not political. That's that you're probably a oh, great mom. It's my fault. No, it's I think my you're fault. a great mom. Uh, but but it almost seems that our party sometimes is so broken that things have to get so bad for everybody to realize what's happening because our messaging is so terrible. And I think that's one of the things that's happened right now. I think we're insane for you know, not, um, uh, I'm not saying that we're not, but the fact that Republicans said, oh, okay, well, we may be wrong that a, a 10 year old was raped, but we still want her to, to have a, have a baby. Um, and then, you know, oh, now we're going to investigate the, uh, the doctor. They're spending more time, all their time focused on a doctor as opposed to, uh, the crime that took place in this poor little girl. I think these are the things that we just need to highlight. And, you know, um, 
you know, stop talking about the past, but we are, we are right now. And I think there are a lot of people that are waking up and, you know, as long as I can remember for the last uh, two decades, I've always been told this is the most important election of our lifetime. This one might be the most important election of our lifetime. However, I think the last couple ones were incredibly important. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't get where, where we needed to. I saw a tweet the other day that I thought was, was clever. Someone said, uh, they're saying that if I want to change the Supreme Court, all I need to do is vote. One of the next Supreme Court elections. And it's true. It's like there aren't. Um, but here we are. And there, something's got to give. Well, you, right. Adam, you know, you, you point out something. And, and Mary, you said it. And Jen. And, and, and we're all dancing around it. There was a great article I read. I think it was a Pew study. I don't remember. But it was within the last month that said today's children have diminished ex- expectations for their future. Yeah. In other words, we all grew up, our parents always wanted us to do better than they did. Mm-hmm. And there was the expectation that we would. Today's kid- and, and Brian, not to cut you off, but that was when I, when I first started working for Hillary at 17, it was because in high school, I saw her on C-SPAN say, I want to leave this country in a better place for the yes. next generation than my generation found. And that's what the, and that's what we've, you know, I, I saw today we went and voted. They give you the little sticker. I voted today and I saw young, there was a line and there were first time voters. And I asked them, you know, I, I, there was one kid that was 23 years old who was working, you know, at the poll. And that gave me some hope. If you're going to change any of this, you've got the only way to have better expectations for the future is to be involved. If there's anything our generation has done poorly, I think it's it's letting people know that, you know, I know football practice is important. You got to get to soccer practice and you got to get your dentist office. But guess what, folks? Everybody needs paved streets. They need lights turned on. They, they need to be able to live in in peace and comfort. And those things matter in local and state and federal elections. And but yeah, that, I, that know, connection I, is missing. I think that the problem here, too, is that, you know, we are, for the first time, going to be presenting a generation with a world that is far worse than any of us, any of their parents or their grandparents have ever seen. And by virtue of that, but I mean, by virtue of that, they have they have less rights. They're living in their parents' basements a hell of a lot longer than than any of us than any of us did. Climate catastrophe. You see that, you know, the average apartment to rent in New York City right now, one bedroom is four thousand dollars a month. Well, you know, that was not the case when many of us graduated from college, when many of us were entering into the workforce, right? There was a- My mom and dad didn't spend that for their first house. They did not spend that for their first house. But the reality is, is that all of those tales that we have for this generation is in fact a fairy tale. They're like, Mm -hmm. show, show show me where the reality is and how you have, by virtue of either not voting or voting for the wrong people, eroded our ability to- to aspire to the American dream. And we have a real pivotal moment right now because Generation Z is at a moment where they're either gonna opt all the way in and turn and spin all of our heads or they're gonna opt all the way out and right. say, fuck well, that'll it spin our heads too. Fuck it to, you know, to all of these places that don't do anything for me. I don't need to show up because you make everything worse. And so they're at a pivotal moment on a cliff right now where they're, they need to be activated. But what's being told to them, they're being incredibly ignored, right? Because democratic establishment also says, well, you know, when it comes to turnout, they don't turn out. Well, why don't they turn out? Because y'all don't engage them, right? And Jen said something that is just just basic, basic media strategy. Oh, I have an idea. Run ads where they look. On right? apps. So that, so that looks at Utah, YouTube. It looks like TikTok. It looks like Instagram. It looks like everywhere where the younger demographics are. And so, you know, you can't just invite a TikTok star to the White House, which is what the Biden administration has done and think like, oh, I got them. Now they'll get vaccinated. It's like, hello, can we get some follow up and can we get some thoughtfulness and strategy around what it is that they want to be engaged around? And the last thing I'll say is that the issues that matter to them are issues about their autonomy as people. The ability to show up how I want to show up and still be received with dignity and respect. So if, mm-hmm. if I am a BIPOC, Black, Indigenous person of color, if I am queer, if I am trans, if I am non-binary, I want to know that by virtue of me showing up that I don't have to conform right. 
Dignity Isn't and respect that what is going to be all given. Want? Isn't you know this yeah, is but, the one not, not really like not really because no, we're exactly. part of a so we're part of a, no we're Hang part on of a, a generation that assimilated. We're part of a generation right. because I'm part of that generation that felt the need to assimilate to heteronormativity in order to be accepted. That also assimilated in terms of how you show up, how you dress, all of these things. And incredible. what they're saying is that we're not going to assimilate. We actually wait, want things to shift. Right. I just I just want to point something out. I want to point something out. Um, Adam, you said that the Democratic Party is broken. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to frame it a little differently. It's incredibly diverse because let's let's put it this way as the republican party has become smaller in terms of the people it's trying to appeal to the democratic party has had to create a, a larger umbrella so we have so many more people with differences that we're trying to um bring in right and I think that ch one of the challenges is Democrats try, right? And and the criticism is they don't go far enough. They don't go as far as we want them to. They're not messaging properly. Um, they they're they're missing the boat on really fundamental issues of um, identity and what Dobbs means for people, right? But on the other hand, the Republicans only have to cater to a bunch of fucking people who hate American democracy, who hate difference, and will be perfectly happy with having their rights taken away as long as as long as the people they hate are suppressed even more. Like it's you know, it's like asymmetrical warfare. Like the they point that have... you made early on about how it's basically stacked against Democrats, you know, look no further than Virginia, right? right? Republicans literally did nothing in terms of going door to door. The one thing they did do was lie. So when we say like they have to do nothing, the only thing they have to do is lie. And they did right. that and they did it really well. Yeah. And the Democrats didn't listen to people like Rachel Vindman who were saying, you know, right. in August, hey, this is an issue. These people are showing up at schools. They're lying about this. Um, and so much of the stuff is is right there out in the open. And we just don't listen to people. Right. And and I think, Jen, what happens is, you know, because we're so diverse, um, Democrats, it, you know, it leadership, elected Democrats try to negotiate when the Democratic base is saying, no, no, no. You don't negotiate with somebody's identity. You don't negotiate with somebody's bodily autonomy. You don't negotiate with somebody's ability to choose or not to choose to raise a family and their ability to raise a family with dignity and with resources, right? You don't do those things. Republicans don't have to negotiate with anything because, again, their base is like practically monolithic at this point. They're these pro-authoritarian pro-fascist as long as you hate women children people of color and democracy do whatever you want you know don't give us health care don't give, it, it's kind of insane um but this is sort of where we are my you know, point being is, oh sorry go ahead. no no just my my point being that the democratic base expects a substantive change and the republican base just mm -hmm. expects hey keep feeding our hatred we're cool right jen and yeah and you know i just and for some reason i'm i've been reverting back to the very early 1970s maybe it's because i'm remembering pieces of my childhood or the or things. Oh, that's right and jen, just... jen just bought a pair of white go-go boots <laughs> awesome. 68 1968 Although we're, still, we're behind the times in Michigan, so that was more like 72, but okay. It's like yeah. the rose glasses, it's like Austin Powers. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. okay. God, I'm older than all of you. Jesus. You are. Sorry. <laughs> okay. But Some not as old as James this, Carville. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. Go ahead. Do you remember the 1971 ad for Pepsi? I like to I teach like to the world. It was Coca-Cola. Perfect. It was oh, what? Yeah. Okay, fine. 
Whatever. Pepsi's I better, like, but, but it was a Coke commercial. Was a but Coke there was commercial. a time, as naive as it sounded, I mean, there was something about the 70s when people were talking about, still talking about freedom, you know, still thinking about the possibilities for a diverse world. And I that think- That was before the dark times, before Reagan. But we must celebrate our diversity, including the diversity of- views within the party. I'm still not over the fact that the White House uh, communications director was punching left. And also, you know, to say that, well, he's here to, he's not here to cater to people who are out of step. There is no out of step. You Well, that was out of step. Well, no, but. (laughs) What she said was out of step. Well, it's out of something, but I'd say the posterior, but that's just me. If I were a leader, you know, because as a teacher, for example, there's, I, I know what it's like to, to choose to, to ask your TAs or ask certain students, give me the criticism. What, don't tell me the names. What are people saying that I'm fucking up in class? What are people getting? What is it about my style that's annoying? So that I don't want to get in the way of what our goal is, which is their enrichment in that classroom and engagement. What have I done? Yeah. Are you and it's comfortable sometimes, you know, calling me out like on things and I say, thank you. It's not about me. It's about you. And right. you can create that atmosphere as a leader, or you can choose to be defensive. And this, I, I don't, you know, when someone like that, I know she's leaving her job behaves that way. She's getting that from somewhere. And right. that, at that, the mm-hmm. defensive, well, fuck these people, don't criticize us. That's not the message. If you hear criticism, you say, I am so glad people are engaged. Let's have this conversation. Right. Why yeah, can't Jen, Democratic Jen, leaders do that? Because that's because we're not going to be monolithic. Let's engage. I can't do everything you could say, but I'm going to do something. And, the, and, and, don't, and don't lie to people. Don't right. say you no. can't. Fine. So great. Biden's being sued in I by Texas. Bring that lawsuit on. Right. Fight for people. Welcome the fight. You know, it's like the FDR. I welcome my enemies. My party is not my That's enemies. Right. The biggest right. mistake people make is now the reason why there's infighting among Democrats is because the leadership doesn't say to everyone, hey, it's okay that you guys disagree. We need mm-hmm. leadership from the top recognizing. Democrats have always been like people. that, though. In my lifetime. Yeah, but what the fuck don't they? Why are they doing that? Where is leadership right. saying? Well, if I if I may, and, and as the yeah. old part here, who re, who actually remembers JFK's assassination? Uh, oh, wow, I'm, you are old. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but what I see is that a lot of the stuff that we that started in the '60s, the civil rights movement, LBGTQ, uh, all the things that began in the '60s were abandoned with the Ronald Reagan Me Generation. Nixon mm-hmm. and Roger Ailes tried to kill it, and then it was Reagan who did it. And one of the things that took the, the you know, just took the and wheels right off of it was was what they did to media. You talk about diversity. Ben Bagdikian of the Washington Post said you can't have diversity without diversity of ownership of major media companies, and we right. don't have that. So we don't have a, a lot of voices that we need to have. This is a melting pot. You got to melt. The but Republicans don't it's want to melt. It's not a melting pot. It's a salad. It, it's a, it's a mixed salad. salad that's the ideal, melt, though. But it, no, but a melting pot oh, suggests well, stimulation is, is, is required. Yeah. And and we're not bored. Well, we we, we're, not we assimilate as, in as much as we all have common interests. We have no. been driven apart by media to think that we have competing interests. I'll guarantee you the redneck who lives next door to me, and I don't like him, mm-hmm. but he still wants a, he still wants a paved street. He still wants the... We have destroyed local media, so we don't find things we have in common. The only time we come together is at a national forum where we oppose one another. And the Republicans don't care. The Democrats who do have that big, they they do have the big tent, but they are so so ingrained. The fighting, the infighting is so ingrained that we don't ever reach out and find out we have more in common than we have different. But but again, again, it's I, I, I. Going to suggest that it's not infighting so much as diversity. You know, we're always banging up against our differences because, you know, that's a good thing. It's of course it's a good thing. But what I'm what I would say is that 
you know, the guy who, yeah, he wants roads and he wants his garbage picked up, but he also believes that how he identifies is how everybody should identify. Everybody what? should conform. And that's tough, to tough shit for him. But, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. This is not, we're not, it's not one of the biggest problems we've had is that historically it's a melting pot. A melting pot suggests that we all have to become the same. And I don't think so. That is, that's exactly so. what it is. We all melt. I think it and, means that we, we look, it's, it's we you know share what, you know, common interests. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, okay. It's, it's like just, my point is that it's it's more like we're just like a mix salad, and it, you know, so everybody yeah, gets to, everybody gets to maintain their okay. identity with mixed and salad. have it I like respected. That. To this, it's a terrible analogy, but you know, I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a real long week, but basically, one of the other issues um, is that everything that's been happening in the last few years benefits the side of um, uniformity and authoritarianism. You know, the best way to keep authoritarians in power is to have a global pandemic, right? So, and this is, this is for people watching because again, this is not about demoralizing. It's, it's about contextualizing and helping us, helping all of us understand what we're fighting against. We're not just fighting against, structural uh, inequality uh, that always seems to favor Republicans. We're not just fighting against the fact that because the Republicans are almost entirely a monolith at this point and Republic, uh, sorry, Democrats have, have to be much more accommodating. We're fighting against uh, issue, global issues that, that also, by the way, now include inflation and high prices be uh, high gas prices because the media do a horrific job of explaining to people what that means. Um, you know, we are at a disadvantage, which is why we need our leaders to fight for us. Even if it's a losing battle, people just, especially the base, which is why I hope that woman was fired immediately. That was despicable. Our base needs to be, emboldened and and propped up not demoralized right just same thing with gen z so um i want to you know we're going to wrap up soon but um before i get to my last question to you guys i just i just want to get your final thoughts on you know what you see as the best way to um help our viewers and other other Democrats who, uh, you know, are having a difficult time grappling with, because let's be real again, how much have we had to deal with in the last four years, especially the last two, it has been overwhelming. It's almost unimaginable, right? So how do we keep people engaged, um, energized and, and how do we help them, you know, stay, uh, or, Sorry, how do we keep them from feeling demoralized? Let's start. I'll start with you, Danielle. I'm oh, sorry. I'll start with Jen and then Danielle. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, so one thing well, you is. You raised your hand. <laughs> concrete. Here's the concrete thing. Why is there not a banner on my computer telling me when the primary is in my state? I don't even know. I mean, I should know. Like, when is my primary? And some states have the state different from the federal. When's my primary? When is the November, what's the exact date of the November election? And am I, and where can I check to make sure I'm still registered? Where is that? Why isn't that, why isn't that? So like, and sometimes engagement is like, okay, fine. I'll try the damn Popeye's chicken sandwich because everyone's talking about it. Like, in other words, where is it? And by the way, there is a Popeye's where there used to be a KFC in my town. I don't eat, I'm a vegetarian, so I can't have Yeah, me too. <laughs> The point is we we get all this advertising flooded at us about stuff we don't even care about. We can sing jingles. So when you say engagement, part of it is where is that thing? Where is the reminder constantly? What, I, there are tons of people who have no idea, like me now, what is the exact date of my primary? Yeah. I don't even know. Is it September? Is it August? I should know that. But And that I could can, be billboards, right? That could just be a freaking billboard in your people town. Don't, 
drive. Kids don't drive these days. Anyway, so where is yeah. it? Where's well, I the don't app? Know. Where's the yeah. like, where's the, if you download this app, I mean, you can pay people not for voting, but you could pay people to download an app to see if they're registered that will then send them messages right. reminding them when the election is. Why are we pushing stuff out to people like that? Anyway, so I know that's not substantive engagement, but I'm just talking about if you the moment someone's like, I think I want to vote, if they know when it is, it's in their calendar. Well, Where's it's, it's structural. It's structural. Like there needs to be a better infrastructure in terms of keeping people informed. Um, and right? who, and have, have a voting buddy who's virtual. Like Danielle could be my virtual voting buddy who's like, Jen, this is who I'm voting for. I'd be like, hi, Danielle. Like, you know, we could figure this out. Anyway, I'll shut up. So stop that. Don't No, it was up. good. It was I good. Like I don't know why, you know but for a minute that reminded me of the, the Nader trader. Remember that? Where you like yep. were in one state and you could swap votes? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ralph Lane. Yeah, give me flashbacks. Okay, Danielle. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say this, that I think that what we what generation Z and just people in general need from this administration is one to connect the fucking dots, which is not that difficult to do um, to right. tell us who the enemy is and the enemy right. can also be your friend. Right. And right. so when we have right. these conversations about my colleague from across the aisle or rational Republicans, well, you're not identifying the enemy for me. So then how am I supposed to decipher between what it is that you're offering me and what they're offering? That's number one. Number two, people need to feel a shared sense of rage right now. What is happening is absolutely fucking insane. And we have an administration that continues to like act as if all is normal, right? right. Like, like everything is okay. And I'm just like, all you have to do is open up a front door. You don't need to even go on cable news, right? All you have to do is open up your front door. So share rage with people. Let them know that you see and feel all of the things that are happening alongside them. And that as part of that shared rage, like we need to activate, we need to channel it into action. Right. But if you keep telling me that all is fucking well. Right? right. And I know that I can't fill up my gas tank, put medicine in my medicine cabinet and put food on the table at the same fucking trip. Then yeah. like that's a problem. Right. But you want to tell yeah. me who you're giving a medal of freedom to. I don't give a fuck. Right? right. Like what I care about is a sense of urgency that now they're showing with HHS in terms of what they're activating around, you know, pushing back against these states that have triggered their abortion bans. I needed that when the draft came out. So I think that, you know, what people need is activation. And how do they feel activated? They know that people are fighting for them. And why are they fighting? Because I'm mad as hell. And I'm not going right. to allow this party that is no longer a party, but a corrupt cult to take over our democracy. And neither should you. And I want to hear that every fucking day. That's right. Absolutely. And and I think pretending that everything, I, I, I don't know, I'm speculating, but the uh, tendency to act as if everything is just fine is meant as a way to calm people down because again, it's been a horrible few years, right? But that is exactly the last thing they should be doing because it is a five alarm emergency. And when Biden refers to Mitch McConnell, the greatest traitor to this country since Robert E. Lee, as a good friend and an honorable mm -hmm. man. And when Justice Sonia Sotomayor tries to tell us that Clarence fucking Thomas is a good guy, it demoralizes us because yeah. it's we know neither of those things is true. And it makes us feel like, well, if that's really what they think, then they can't possibly be fighting for us. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adam? Um. I, I agree with everything that everyone said, and I, I wish I could say it as passionately. Um, I'll just give a hat tip to Mary. I think, you know, Mary's gotten more and more involved politically and um, any anywhere that I've been able to help. Um, I've always I've always said, yes, I think our party uh, spends a lot of time getting to know. And one of the things Mary said to me recently is, you know, people want to get involved. They want to do something. What can they do? She recently started um, Democracy Defense Fund. And, um, you know, Mary and, and her team are working hard to put something together to give the folks that are tuning in now and asking these same questions a way to to do stuff week by week, whether it's, you know, organizations like uh, Sister District and others, these local organizations that don't get a, a light shined on them, not not right. recreating the wheel. Um, and so right. I, 
if you build it, they will come. But I think Mary's not recreating the wheel. My my focus this cycle is going to be to do lift up the stuff that she's doing and try to give people an opportunity to get involved where they haven't been able to find it. Well, I, Adam, I couldn't have done it out without you. So um, it's been great working with you. Yeah, same here. And and let's just keep going, uh, Brian. Well, I, I I'll I'll push a little different in a little different direction. I don't think it's about as is your want. Yeah, I, I do that. But I think we have, I think this country is better than either one of our political parties, which I've often said is a party of one is a party of no heart. And one is a party of no head. It's not about enemies. It, it, it's a, it, and it is insane, but we did it. We became disenfranchised and we allowed people that you wouldn't, you would not vote or you would not make your friends. You wouldn't invite them to your a barbecue in your backyard We've allowed them to go into office and they have changed. They've gerrymandered districts. They've created a system because we let them in and didn't vet them properly. We let these people in and they're changing the system. So the minority stays in charge. It's that's your responsibility is to vote. Your responsibility is to do more than vote. Your responsibility is to be involved on a daily basis with a democracy, you know, government of by and for the people. We used to be a, a country that said, look, I disagree with what you say but I will defend to death your right to say it. Today on both extremes, we have people telling us, I disagree with what you say, so you must die. Look, I don't like the guy next door who's going to advocate something uh, again, at the top of his lungs that I would vehemently stand against at, and, and speak against at the top of mine. But you can hate me. You can't act on your hate. And we've yeah. got to rein that back in. And the only way to do that is to become active in politics. Jen made a couple of really great suggestions. I get on my phone. I've got an app that I'm playing some game, Sim City or whatever, or, or a word game. And it breaks every 30 seconds to give me a damn uh, a commercial from a Republican running for office. I don't see any of the Democrats. I mean, where the hell are they? Where the hell are they? Where the people are is where they need to go. And mm -hmm. man, I'll, I'll tell you at the end of the day, you're going to win more people over by telling them, look, we're all in this together. Let's row together. I, you know, we're got, no one's going to agree 100% on everything. But by God, if you can't agree in universal health care, a woman's right to choose, if you can't start there, and, and look, if you came to me and said, uh, I want to marry my whisk broom, I'd say Mazel Tov. It's none of my business. I don't care. what How you decide to live your life, That those things that are personal, we have to agree that you have personal space. And the rest of us, we need to work together to bring, you know, to get the things that we need in life instead of fighting one another and, and ending up where we are now. Now, I know some of that sounds Pollyannish, but I'll just close by saying if we don't move in that direction, you know, it, it's the, the, the Kentucky state motto, united we stand, divided we fall. If we don't come together, we will fall. Yeah, Brian, okay. I love hearing you say that because as this white cis guy, you said it in a way that could be persuasive to people of your ilk. The minority. I, no, but I, I mean, no, you know, but I mean, like, <laughs> what I'm saying I'm is. I'm just an old Lebanese fart. What do I know? <laughs> no, no, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, you say it yeah. like, what do you call about personal space? I mean, you say it in a way that just seems logical where some, you know, guy at the bar could get it. Go out there. Go bar yeah. to bar and proselytize, Brian. I mean, the, yes. the Brian Karam tour. <laughs> I write a column and piss everybody off. That's what I do. <laughs> but, but listen, I. A lot of what you say resonates. On the other hand, though, let's we need to be very clear about this. The violence is entirely on one side. Oh no shit. And, but, <laughs> but, but like I, you know, we didn't we didn't put these psychotic bags oh. into office, right? So and this is the other problem. Though, not and the media do this all the time. Well, okay, but that's a different let's talk about that next week. <laughs> One of the biggest problems we have that, again, of course, disadvantages Democrats is that in the media, they talk, to, they talk about the Republican base and they talk about the Democratic base as if these are equal but opposite things, right? No, 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 no. No, they're not. The Democratic base is a bunch of predominantly black women, people of color, college educated, blah, blah, blah. And what do we want? We want universal health care. We want racial justice. We want reproductive justice. We want everybody to have a living wage and free college and on and on and on. Right. 
the Republican base is a bunch of fucking white supremacist fascists who want women to have no rights, who want our children to be slaughtered by weapons of war in their schools, who hate American democracy, who hate mm -hmm. diversity. So for fuck's sake, if we talk about these two things, like, you know, they're the same, they're just on different sides of things, then that also disadvantages us. Absolutely. And that also has to stop. So I'm going to stop yeah. ranting. My last question, because Jesus Christ, like it feels like every week <laughs> it's just worse or like more, I don't know, more news, more hour by like, hour. The proverbial <laughs> the fire hose after. of news, like pointed right at our faces. So just to take things down a notch, I just want to ask you guys, if you can recommend something like what, what recently is something that's given you joy that we can share with other people to kind of just, you know, help us calm down and, and like just block Edibles? everything out. Well, Hey, if that's your jam, it's not mine, but no, seriously. So uh, Adam, what's something that you would recommend that's, that's just sort of helped, like helped you just chill, whether it's a book, a movie, a TV show, um, a cocktail. I don't know. Um, a bunch of you Whatever. probably read this, but I just started reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Oh, I've heard of it. My whole life. <laughs> oh, it's something it I'm terrible at doing. So I need to start not giving a fuck. Okay. I love that. I'm going to get it immediately. Uh, Brian. Well, let's see. The drink would be bourbon. Uh, my wife and I have been uh, binge watching Stranger Things to catch up with the kids so we could talk about that. And then I've been reading H.L. Mencken, uh, A Treatise of the Gods, talking about how religion is fiction. And that was 100 years ago. And by the way, he nailed Donald Trump. He said an honest, an honest politician under democracy is quite as unthinkable as an honest burglar. They are a stand-up <laughs> front in everything rational in our culture. They should have their uh, compensation reduced to nothing and their power reduced to an irreducible minimum. So uh, I, I've been reading that for, for, for just to let me know, to remind me that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, plus a change. Uh, Danielle. Um, so I like uh, to escape these days. Uh, so I read uh, African Futurism and I'm obsessed with the author Nadi Okafor. Uh, and I just finished the third installment in her series, uh, the Akata series, uh, A-K-A-T-A. -A -A. Um, and it's wonderful. All of her protagonists are young uh, black girls, uh, largely Nigerian. Uh, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, you know, to take to take yourself out of this world. And okay, so it's go. escapist. It is. It's escape. It's a, but it's not. It's not all. Let's just say the future ain't all roses and sunshine either. But at least you know we're taught we're looking at Unicorns buildings and that rainbows, are made of baby. plants, right? You know, <laughs> buildings made of plants, and you know, people doing incredible things. So I, I encourage people African futurism, um, sci-fi. You know, it's yeah. a way to way to get off this planet and someplace else for a little bit. Nice. Oh, and, and bourbon. I, I actually sit and bourbon and read my book. Well, hey, Danielle, man, bourbon and sci-fi. <laughs> there you it's go. It's a good combo. I'm in. <laughs> uh, Jen? You're muted, perhaps? Yeah, so I've been getting into um, a lot of audible books, and sometimes it's fiction. And <clears throat> sometimes it's nonfiction related to something I'm writing. And what that allows me to do is actually move around. So like I, my, one of my favorite things to do is to tackle straightening up the mess that my house is. I mean, I, we clean our own house. Like there's no one to help me do that. And we clean or we don't clean. And so if I turn on a, a if I get it, listen to an audible book, it's going to be 13 or 15 hours. And I just keep listening and, and you know, I do, you know, do the grocery shopping or wander around the house. And I just feel like I've cheated life because I can actually learn something. And, you know, there's also the other thing is I've perfected my um, drink making skills. So I, <laughs> I used to have like a cocktail, like, you know, up until like, until Dobbs was decided, I might have like one drink a month, you know, yeah. and now all and of a sudden what's I, happening. Dobbs was decided, I was like, what? Like three days a week, I've come up with a new kind of cocktail for Michael and I. 
Everyone has to take the recycling out when the neighbors are around. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know what it is. You know, it, it's just one is enough. But I have a nice little shaker. And so <laughs> I've had I've had the shaker. I want to like come it. over, Jen. I just yeah, need, that up, but why stop? We need to start yeah. doing this in person at some point. That's yeah. Anyway, sure. so but yeah, I mean, so yeah, you know. So by day I'm pumping the caffeine. By night I make a drink. It's 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 probably not the best, um, and I'll probably stop soon. But it's working for me now. It's getting, it's getting me through. Yeah. Well, all I can say is that it's a good thing I live in an apartment building and I don't have to take my recycling out to a curb anymore. But holy shit, yeah. It's but for me, it like it started on November 9th, uh, twenty sixteen. Uh, it's been quite a journey. But, um, you know, it's funny. I've been, I love Marlon James's short history of seven killings is like one of the most brilliant things I've ever read. So I started reading his, his science fiction slash fantasy trilogy. Um, I'm a ma massive sci-fi person, fantasy, not so much, but he's so brilliant. I'm, it's, it, it's very dark. So I kind of had to take a bit of a break and I, I've defaulted to, um, which, which is something I typically do. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fiction reader. I, I like, you know, Faulkner and um, Toni Morrison are two of my favorite writers. Like I like really dense, dark fiction, but when everything's really overwhelming, I kind of default to murder mysteries that I don't, because I don't have to think like, I don't care who did it just as long as it's well-written. So are you I watching default, haunted on Netflix. I am not, but I will really now. Good. So you suggested it. So I based on true stories. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, I've been rereading uh, Josephine Tay, whose book um, Miss Pym Disposes is one of my favorite books. I ca I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times I've read it. Um, I'm actually right now reading her book, The Franchise Affair. It's just it's incredibly well written, and again, it's it's not, you know, it's it's just a way of escaping right you just go into this world and and you don't have to to think about anything else and i because I, I think in some ways murder mysteries for me serve the same function as really well-written science fiction and and science fantasy so um that's what i've been up to uh plus the nevers which i just discovered uh even though it came out a while ago on hbo um so listen we we have to keep, we have to stay in the fight. And it's so important to be able to tap out once in a while. And I think one of the reasons that I love this group and, um, you know, I hope everybody keeps coming back and our, we, we call ourselves the nerd Avengers and that, you know, our other regulars will, will join us is because community is incredibly important it's something that became extraordinarily difficult during covid and it's also especially you know for our viewers same thing applies to you knowing that if you have to say listen i'm out for a bit i can, i just need a break knowing that there are other people staying in the fight for you um is something that we can't underestimate the importance of Right. Because, it, you know, I used to think um, it was a marathon, not a sprint. And then I had the incredible honor of being interviewed by Jane Fonda a couple of years ago. And when I said that, she said, well, isn't it really a relay race? I was like, oh, my God. Yes, it's really a relay race. So, you know, Can't if we need to pass. Dance? To Can it be a dance? I'm not that into running. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking not really. You run in style. Let's... No, how about Alvin Ailey Revelations? Because that sort of makes me think of they shoot horses, don't they? No, it's a relay race, which means that you can hand off the baton so somebody else can do it if you can't anymore. Sometimes all. you got to grab that baton back real quick, depending on how shitty the person is that gets it. Well, especially well, if nobody here is shitty. That's the point. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about our party. Yeah, I got it, but we're I not talking kidding. about Merrick Garland. Sorry, I just well, that's, I, as that's a Ukrainian American, I was a little pissed off to see him in Ukraine. I thought we had you know more important things going on back home. But... Well, for mm -hmm. he certainly did, but anyway, um, this has been extraordinary. I always learned so much from you guys, so you know, your willingness 
to give your time and your insights means so much to me. And I know it means so much, you know, every, our viewers are commenting constantly and they're getting so much out of this. Also so much appreciate the people watching. So Brian Karam, Gentub, Daniel Moody, first time, please come back. Adam Parkamenko, you guys are amazing. Um, and hopefully I'll bring the edibles. Well, not for me, but for anybody, you can just bring me a vodka soda with wine. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Ket kettle one, please. Um, anyway, hopefully I will see you guys next week. Uh, in the meantime, please stay safe, be kind, and have a great weekend. Don't drink too much bourbon or chew too many edibles. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>just wrapped another strategy session with my awesome paddle of guests um i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did and i just want to let you know that all of the suggestions that were made for things people are reading or watching or ideas they have for just kind of chilling out all will be in the show notes and um we typically don't have a strategy session on thursday nights but because the hearings preempted us on Tuesday. We decided to do that tonight. We will have another strategy session next Tuesday at uh, starting at 12 o'clock. Yes, 12 o'clock Eastern. Uh, what is that Pacific? Nine o'clock Pacific. Um, and that's at youtube.com slash Politicon. And then next Thursday, we're going to have quite a show uh, because I, I'm interviewing Malcolm Nance for our regular episode and that's going to be at seven o'clock p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific also youtube.com slash politicon and immediately following that we're doing our live stream of the next january 6th select committee hearings so i really hope you can stay for all of that i am going to have an absolutely kick-ass panel uh because it's prime time uh, so that's going to be amazing. And, you know, while you're, uh, on the Politicon YouTube page, please follow Politicon or subscribe to Politicon and, um, like the episode. And you can also click on the bell that, that one, uh, that way you will be sure to be notified when any videos drop. And remember I'm doing the shorter videos just to kind of keep up with the insanity of of the news cycle. Um, and of course, all of our shows are in podcast form. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you listen. And please give the show a five-star review because it really does help other people find us. And, uh, you know, the more people are watching, the better because the people who are joining me have so much to say that needs to be heard. So thank you again so much for being here, for your support. And again, until next time, stay safe and be kind.